Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the only podcast outscored by a sister hockey podcast on the same night we recorded. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. I guess it wasn't the same day, but the Sabres had 10 goals over the weekend and the Bills had nine points. Right, so. and, and the Bills didn't, and the Sabres didn't benefit from a made-up pass interference call on a on a fourth down play to get you know six of their points. They actually no. scored six legitimate goals, and then four other legitimate goals. I, I would like to also quickly, I, I the, let me just pull up the Bills uh, while I do this. Okay, look, the Bills got their ass kicked by Chicago. Um, uh, I one of you was right in saying this looked like the kind of game where maybe it could get out of hand and the defense would give up. And I, I don't want to say the defense gave up, but they certainly didn't have much to work with given the fact that they were just handed short fields. Um, yeah. Right. I, Who, can, can, can the team have 41 points and allowed 190 total yards? Right. I don't That's, know. It's got to be some sort of record. Pretty crazy. Yeah. There, there were some weird, weird stats in this game. Uh, and yes, I did pick them to get blown out. I did not see. Yes, I agree. The the defense did did did. I don't want to say did their job, but didn't didn't completely crap the bed. Uh, right, the offense, which definitely did. So that uh, you can never really tell how bad Bills offense is going to be, but you know it's going to be bad. Yeah, um, it's it's maybe even historically bad, as we'll get to with some of uh, some of the some of the things we're going to do. But just to Dig into this game here. The Bills lose forty-one to nine. Uh, another wacky score um, in the in, but, in but the not a scoregami this time. Hard no, not score. a scoregami, but still like you know, probably not many games ending forty-one to nine. Um, Bills. Christine Zuling by looking this up right now. The Bills. There have, um, been, uh, there have been seven games in the entirety of NFL history. So pretty, pretty low here uh, on the on the totem, as we say. Uh, Bills get the Bills score their first touchdown uh, in more than three weeks. I had figured it out. It had been something along the lines of like sixteen. Uh, the, the The Bills had been outscored in the second quarter, twenty eight nothing, and at that point, you would have had to go back three or four games to total twenty eight points that the Bills had scored. Um, so that's how futile they, the bills have yet to record their hundredth point. Um, <laughs> Mitch Trubisky, 12 of 20 for 135 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Uh, Nathan Peterman, uh, in some regards, didn't completely shit the bed in that all his interceptions were like, almost all of his interceptions were sort of truly terrible ricochets. Uh, that said 31 completions out of 49 attempts for 188 yards. Nobody has had less yards on 31 completions in the history of the NFL. So let that one sink in. Um, shady McCoy, uh, was it 10 carries 10 yards? I'm trying to find it. Uh, yeah, 10 carries 10 yards <laughs> leading rusher Nathan Peterman. Thanks to a, 30 some odd yard scamper on the, an untimed play to end the half when yep. it should have been a Hail Mary. Perhaps, um, perhaps the Trent Edwards jumping over the pile and pushing the ball for remember that play in Miami? He's throwing the ball over trying to get the first down and like thinking it's a touchdown play. But to me, that's the Nathan Peterman, um, trying to run in the Hail Mary touchdown. Uh, I think we've, I think we've 
peaked our bills moment for the year. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to rob everyone else of their chance to, to, to explain what they saw. Usually I start with Scott. So let's start with Paul this week, Paul, what did you make of this, this game? If you could call right. it that. You, you can feel free to rob me as much as you want on discussing this alleged football game. And it's so far. I mentioned last week that the bar for Peterman has gone so low that we look at a performance where it's like ah, three interceptions, but really only partially to his two or partially, or at least fully not his fault. And then, like you said, the yards per attempt, the yards per completion, even so ridiculously low for him. And I commented during the game in it that I wasn't trying to absolve him from blame, noting that the interceptions, the first two interceptions weren't really on him, but that bar is so low. He didn't really, you know, he, it was really an extremely underwhelming performance on a quarterback, and yet it's the best game we've seen him play. That's that's legitimately what the balance is. He's never played better as a Buffalo Bill, and he played one of the most underwhelming football games I have ever seen. The offensive line, I'm sure we'll get to talking about that later. It seems like they're starting the next era of that. They gave Wyatt Teller some significant stat snaps. They gave Jeremiah Searle some significant snaps. Overall, I mean, this this it was painful to watch. It was the point where I, I posted on on Twitter once the fourth quarter started. I said, I, I'm not paid for this. I'm just going to take a walk with my wife, who was who's flown to Rwanda right now. So I would have rather done that. So bad his wife has gone to Rwanda. Right. She wasn't planning to, but she's yeah. like, Where can I go that's really far away from where the Buffalo Bills will ever play or even be broadcast? Right. So unless you can find a Bills bar in Rwanda, in which case uh, she'll probably be- a, probably actually a lot of Bills fans in Rwanda who who are really <laughs> really excited that they you know the the world champ four time world champ Buffalo uh, <laughs> Bills. <laughs> I had thought about making that joke and I wasn't sure. <laughs> My favorite is since we're on the topic was the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt show. I don't, I, I know I posted it uh, when I when they when they did it, but. Uh, one of the characters had a shirt from that was supposedly from Africa, one of the Bills championship shirts, except it said four-time Bills champion, which was great because that shirt would have never been made, even if... <laughs> right. It would have been 1990 champion, 1991 yeah. champion. There would not be one shirt because, yeah. Right. There could have been a 94 shirt that said, finally... You know, right, but they been. were like nine, you know, four times yeah. Super Bowl champion Buffalo Bills was kind of perfect. Anyway, <laughs> um, please continue. So yeah, this was this was as as ugly a game as I have I have seen them play, and and not to sound like a broken record, but the the frustration is, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, there's no progress. I was really hoping is that the end of the year would come, and we're not there yet, and we'd say, all right, they're set on really four of these five spots on the offensive side of the ball. They pick up three to four more through the in the offseason through trade or draft or free agency and then have a you know a couple holes on the offense still. Legitimately right now, do they have anyone on offense who you're comfortable with next year? Dawkins seems to have taken a step back. McCoy seems to be winding down. We've talked about the receivers. I mean, Zay Jones isn't a total loss. That's probably the most positive thing I can say about anyone on the offense. He's not very good right now either. It's so, it's to the point where, you know, what if, unless Josh Allen comes back and I pray he plays this week, you know, it's trending okay, like it might happen. Yeah, upgraded to limited. So that's, yes. Yeah. It's, It's a start. So, 
you know, unless he plays, there's these games are just going to be increasingly difficult to watch because there's I feel like I'm analyzing nothing. I'll watch the offensive line for a few plays and just sort of, yeah, they're not very good. I'll try and watch receivers and be like, oh, yeah, they're not very good either. I watch a quarterback and then have to cover my eyes. And mind you, I will see horror movies at the theater by myself, but I have to cover my eyes sometimes. Like when Peterman drops back, I'm just gripping for an interception. So it was just a, a really tough game to watch. Special teams crapped the bed uh, a couple times again. They had a bad punt return allowed. They had some other bad moments in the game. The uh, the defense, you know, for allowing, you know, for 41 points given up in the game, two of those happened. They weren't on the field. There were a bunch of short fields. The defense did, you know, fine, truthfully. They allowed a big third down at one point early in the game, but that shouldn't be a killer. But with the Bills, it's a, it's a killer. So I really hope Allen comes back and everybody, uh, we hope we have something different to talk about next week. Scott. So, yeah, I mean, obviously all points uh, Paul made are completely fair. Um, as I was, I was watching the game after I find out what happened, you know, and I heard about the yards per attempt. On, on, on some level, it's kind of fascinating because – the theory behind running like the way that they built that offense for that game on Sunday was a very kind of short kind of West coast offense, like high percentage pass five yard out five yard slant, five yard in five yard hook, like just get it out of his hands. They can hit the first guy on the first read and have that be it. And then to have Peterman, like not be able to execute that either. Like, because that's the thing that offense is not designed to have you make, you know, 60% of your passes for 189 yards. Like, yeah, there's going to be some short passes, but you should be able to get some of those medium long ones or hit guys in stride so that they're able to keep running with the ball. Or, um, and the one thing that you can't do is because you're throwing nothing but high percentage of those, you can't throw the guys who are have guys covered all over them. And that's the problem is, I mean, you want to say that the, the picks aren't entirely on Peterman. And I would say that they are not entirely on Peterman, but he was throwing to guys who were covered. And mm -hmm. yet occasionally an NFL receiver is expected to win those battles. But when it's within five yards of the line of scrimmage, it's kind of asking a lot. There's a lot of traffic there. There's a lot of guys. If the ball goes up in the air, it's much more likely to get caught. If you're taking, if you're, if you've got Josh Allen in there and you're throwing those big 40, 50 yard hook, you know, deep, you know, go routes and posts and stuff, then it doesn't matter as much because if you if you throw an interception at 40 yards down the field, it's not as damaging because at that point it's just a long punt and at least you're stressing the defense. Right. There's no difference in them playing the run and the pass at this point if you're the defense because everything's going to be within 10 yards line of scrimmage with Peterman. Um, so again, it's, you know, whatever. It's, it, you know, criticizing Peterman. The only other thing that I was thinking when I was watching the game was it's kind of like a guy who's first played Madden like for the very first time and the the protection on some occasions was actually fairly decent. And it would be like if you're on rookie mode in Madden, when like the, the line isn't actually trying to get you that hard, like you have time to throw, but you're still just kind of like, Oh, I don't know where to throw it. I don't know where to throw it. I don't know where to throw it. And then you run and then you throw it to somebody and they're covered or you, you miss. That's what it's like. It's like a guy who's not even good enough to play Madden on the rookie setting. That's what yeah. pretty much everyone can play on rookie setting. I mean, it, I don't, I don't get much further than rookie setting usually, but but it's just kind. Of, it was very disappointing, and um, you know the defense. Yeah, I mean they 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 played okay. Uh, you know, obviously they didn't have a, a chance to play well on some level. So you can you can say that that's 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 about 
was one way to caveat their performance. I would also say that they also didn't like put their foot in the ground and say, you shall not pass either. Like they didn't actually like turn the heat up and really like get to stop the running game or stop the the passing game. Trubisky obviously is not like a great quarterback. Um, He didn't show it on Sunday, but at the same time, they still put up, you know, 40 something points. And yeah, two of it was on the the touchdowns um, by Peterman for the Bears. But uh, at the same time, you know, the, the defense still did not stop them from scoring the other 30 something points, whatever it was, 28 points. Um, so, yeah, the team's not good. This we knew. Um, but, you know, next week we got the Jets, and sounds like Darnold's hurt. So we get to get to okay. McCown again. Yeah. Right, but McCown. Uh, that was the, and this day in Bill's headlines last week that he was the big answer, and I have a feeling I would have rather had Darnold. We get to see who we're dealing with in the future, and also I thought we'd have a better chance. Yeah, I was hoping to have another Mark Sanchez to play, but you know, what can I say? Um, I, you know, and I, just to just to follow up on Scott, like certainly by saying that like the interceptions weren't entirely on Peterman, I was not really trying to. I, I feel like if he had had better performances previously, you'd be able to look at that and say, okay, like that was really unfortunate. But no, he doesn't get any sort of benefit of the doubt for me because he's a terrible quarterback, uh, such to the point where you're. Exactly like you said, you're put in the position of having to try and make, do this sort of offense uh, with these players. Um, he's he's a tire fire. It's one of those things that you know we preach account or not we the team preaches accountability and you know the right kind of player, etc. And like um, for the first time, hosts on the radio station were entertaining the idea that you know maybe uh, you know it, maybe there's something that. Um, there's basically been the conspiracy theory that since Nathan, Nathan Peterman is um, re- religiously inclined the same way as the coach, um, that that's part of the reason he's still playing, um, which I don't think is true. But I think that when you keep looking at how awful he is and the fact that he's not let go and that this is a coach that's supposedly about uh, you know, being, you know, accountable. Uh, he doesn't seem to have to be accountable for some reason. Nathan Peterman's not actually accountable. Right. Um, they, they made a joke on bills and beers. Like if anyone should understand the concept of hail Mary, it should be Nathan Peterman. It, right. He, yeah. He didn't on the bottom or the, yep. the run. See, not Catholic Ca- Catholics know the hail Mary much better. Um, Ron Jaworski definitely would have no. <laughs> um but uh that's on next catholic quarterback maybe right next yeah quarterback. maybe next canon so hot take alert as always behind paul yes the hot take alert they're like we're religion stop talking about it um <laughs> no uh but basically for some reason you know how does the rest of the team take the fact that nathan peterman's still on this team right if you are the wide receiver core and and jeremy curley's gone because you needed to make room for a defensive end that is no longer on the team um, but this, you know, chump is still like back there throwing freaking footballs, then, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't speak well, uh, to Paul's point about like, who's good on the offense. Like if they came, if, if the, uh, the returning members of the offense next year were Zay Jones and Josh Allen, I, I don't think I could make an argument for anybody else. Like Dion Dawkins seems okay. Uh, you know, but everybody else entirely replaceable. Um, which is a dangerous place to be because, you know, you spent some draft capital on getting Josh Allen. And even though you're getting a good pick, you know, soon, 
probably next year. Like you can't fix it all through the draft, even if you trade down and get a bunch of picks, which is probably what, you know, preliminarily they should be doing bad football. Too. Oh, no. The other thing I would say just uh, on the game and then we'll go to three stars um, with regards to the defense. I agree, Scott, that they did that. They didn't stop. You know, they didn't put their foot down. They're not a shutdown defense, but I don't know that that defense exists anymore. Really? Because the game is so different, the game is so offensively minded, uh, Buffalo notwithstanding, the rest of the league is playing offense at a different level, and it's meant to be played that way. And so now I think you look at the Bills and you say, okay, they don't have a shutdown defense, but nobody does. They seem to have a defense, though, that like when the game is close and they're involved, they'll keep you in it. And I think that's the kind of defense you're looking for now, a defense that will make big plays and... Um, be opportunistic. So I'm not as worried about that. I just think it's, it's, it's further evidence of the unrealistic nature of, you know, three, three yards in a cloud of dust. So, you know, we will see the point now is, as Paul says, hopefully Josh Allen will play and we'll have something to watch. Um, and then really the next time this, this team is interesting is February, March, April, um, and it's sad saying that in October, but the Sabres are okay. I don't know. They're not good, but they're okay. Uh, let's do three stars and, and, and move on. Agreed. Um, so we will start with an honorable mention. The honorable mention goes to Tredavious White because I wanted to give somebody on the defense a, a little bit of uh, dap, as they say, for mm -hmm. attempting to, to keep the Bills into this game. And Tredavious, as always, a, a solid performer. And uh, obviously got his interception in the second half and first one of the season probably uh, needed. Again, it, if you're any sane quarterback at this point, there's no reason to ever throw in Tredavious White's direction because the Bills obviously have a literal rotating door uh, at the at the other position, both in terms of personnel and in terms of their performance on the field. Like literally, it's just a spinning door. That's who we have out there on on the on the other side of the field from Stradavius. Um So in terms of your, uh, when you get to the actual three stars, or given the Bills uh, still ended up losing 41 to nine, uh, Tredavious did not make the top three. Um, he, uh, so anyway, but your third star goes to uh, Leonard Floyd, who had the four tackles and obviously the big, um, the big, uh, I guess it was the fumble return, right? Was he at the fumble return? Yeah. Yeah. Technically fumble. a fumble. Yeah. He also wait no he had the interception return. I've I've tried to block it all out. There were just yeah. bears who were defenders running into the end zone every time. Exactly, they all kind of look the same. It's yes. Those uniforms, they look the same. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had the interception for 19 yards and a touchdown. That was the one that I believe uh, it was either Pryor or Zay Jones had basically tossed into the air, kind of haphazardly, and that ended up. Uh, him running into the end zone pretty easily. So that gets him, uh, yeah, it gets him third star. Uh, second star goes to uh, Adrian Amos, who had seven tackles, a sack, and three pass deflections. Um, he also had one of the interceptions. I believe that was the third interception on the day, the nice diving play off the ground, if I'm not mistaken, to get uh, to get uh, Nathan Peterman his third. And uh, most deserving interception, one could say, given that, again, he was completely covered on the play and Really, Nathan had no business throwing that ball. Uh, but it was still a nice play. Again, it had a low probability of success from the quarterback's perspective. It was still a nice play for the guy to not just bat it down, but to actually 
lift up you know, to actually get the ball. Um, so good job by Amos there. And your first star goes to Kyle Fuller, who had just three tackles, but ended up having four pass deflections on the day. Um, one of them he picked off. Um, he also was instrumental, I believe, on the fumble as well, in that he was the guy who actually hit Jason Kroom, I believe, um, and then ended up uh, popping the ball out that was then run back uh, by one of the other uh, Bears. I forget. Was it, was it Krug or, Kroom or Thomas? It was one of those tight ends. Maybe I think it maybe it was Kroom. For yeah, some reason, I, I had Thomas. I think it was Kroom. But anyway, it was one of our uh, kind of bad depth tight ends who maybe has some promise one day, but certainly not any type of promise that's going to help the team this year. Um, so, yeah, those are your three stars. little disappointed in um, Terrell Pryor Sr. I mean, he hit, that ball hit him right in the hands, kind of. I You would think that he would be better, but I, honestly, like, you know, I, I, I would assume that being signed with less than a week is going to affect your chemistry. I yeah, <laughs> yeah it's gonna affect your chemistry. You would think it wouldn't affect his hands, but at the same time, like I assume the the chemistry does in fact affect your hands at some point. Right. He, he said he, they asked him about that in the post game. He said, "Well, the problem is when you first join a team, you're thinking all the time. Where do I have to be? I've got to get in. You're not doing anything instinctively. So all of a sudden, he's like, okay, I've established my position. Oh, ball. You know, the ball's right on him, and then bam, he knocks it up in the air. He said he was." He wasn't deflecting accountability. He made it very clear it was his fault. He's got to catch the ball. But he said that's the the toughest part is, you know, you're thinking about every single thing you're doing. You're not just react, you know, not just out on the field acting and reacting. I think the other thing is that when you talk about team chemistry, essentially Nathan Peterman is a noble gas, thus making it really hard to combine. <laughs> it's true. That's true. His, his, his atomic weight and uh, and uh, neutrality makes it very difficult to, yeah, for him to exist, to combine with any other chemical elements. Precisely. He is the argon of <laughs> quarterbacks. Also, uh, people were very upset that there wasn't a roughing, pa roughing the passer call. I think it's arguable that he's not roughing the quarterback you know he, it's arguable that he wasn't really playing at quarterback so right um, it just would have to be called unnecessary roughness if you hit nathan peterman at right because you can't call it roughing the quarterback there was then a again, crypton again, joke again. I feel we, there's definitely a krypton joke we could have made yes you're right given our nerdy nature on. we probably should have gone with a krypton joke yeah um unnecessary roughness of course but then again what is necessary about nathan peterman if we're being honest <laughs> Oh man, harsh! His his running back rating would be higher than his quarterback rating at this point. By <laughs> he threw three interceptions and his uh, career interception percentage went down. That is not sad. I am making up. There you go. He is he is just kind of he is just kind of a walking meme at this point. He is the old. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for three stars. Thank you for for yes. holding your nose and coming up with three stars for us. But um, Trey White is the second overall quarterback per or quarterback cornerback per PFF behind Sherman and just ahead of Stefan Gilmore. So, Hey, there's the honorable mention, you know, coming into play at least. So there's, there's the one plus and the three stars. Uh, I had a question about, and I think it's going to be hard to say because offensive offenses change, um, whether this is going to be a historically bad offense. And I, it's certainly on track to be, um, I, I, like if not the worst offense ever, then, then, you know, people will, you know, hold their nose and point at this one for a while. I want to know, first of all, 
is this the worst Bills team we've all watched together in the last 12 years? And second of all, is it the worst Bills team in history slash Bill, amongst the Bills teams we've watched? And, uh, you know, since before the podcast, um, there was two one-win Bills teams, one in 1968 and one in 1971 that I don't know very much about. The two-win teams were 1976 and then, of course, 84 and 85 when Jim Kelly had been drafted but wasn't playing for them. Um, and, th- and then, you know, you end up getting Bruce Smith out of that. Um, Paul, you yep. are more of the Bills historian. What is your take on where this team slash offense ranks in the, uh, I'll just say anals instead of annals. Yeah, no, cause it's, it's exactly, uh, cause it's all, it's pretty shitty. So. Right. No, it's, it's, but this offense is, but definitely, but so yeah, on the offensive side, it is easily the worst I have ever watched. You know, I'd look at some of the bad ones. I remember the 2001 team, which also had a terrible record. I think they were three and 13. They finished with three wins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was the Greg Williams team that Alex Van Pelt doing most quarterbacking because Rob Johnson was hurt all of the time. Eric Moulds called the offense. I remember the time running to get covered, which is what the receivers were doing. Right. Ruben Brown, I'd heard him on a radio show one day, and he said the most frustrating thing, when I think they were playing the 49ers in the finale or something, and he said the most frustrating thing is he would hear, after they lined up, he would hear the 49ers defensive players calling out the play. They could tell by the by how the offense was lined up exactly what play was going to be run based on the situation. That was previously the worst offensive team I had ever seen of the the Bills. This one is worse than that. That team at least had Eric Moulds. It had, you know, it it was not very strong in the running game. It had a good offensive line. You had Ruben Brown on the offensive line. You had John Fina granted at the end of his career, but still, you know, a decent player. They could score some points. I would have to – you know, look at their pro football reference page now on Azul. I've got it right now in front of me, actually. Yeah, 265 points it looks like they scored. Yes, they did. And I will, Bills I will are behind out, that pace right now. I will point out that looking at their um, their scores from that year, there are only two games, that Niners game that Paul mentioned and the last game against the Dolphins when they were already 3-12, and 12, um, did the Bills uh, lose by more than 20 points. Only twice did they lose <laughs> more than by more than 20. Yeah, uh, they've lost twice in two weeks by that. So and they, had, they had two games where they actually scored 30 plus, and I see they lost both those games. That's hard to do, but they were overall. Don't let don't let some high scores fool you. They were still a terrible offense, and if you don't, you know, uh, believe me, I believe their leading rusher was Travis Henry at 729 yards at 3.4 yards an attempt. Uh, so they couldn't do much there on the receiving ends. You know, after Molds and you had Peerless, who was decent at that point, but hadn't yet emerged. You had Reamers Moss. So, again, much better than this offense that we've seen, but still unable to really throw much together. As far as worst team, that's so tough for me. I started watching really around 87, right after the two and 14 years and then Kelly's second season. And you look at the, of course, look at the 2001 team. We have to look at the Chan Gailey team that started 0 and 8. This team, I think, is worse than that Gailey team, which falls into yeah, I think so too. the realm of us. That team ended up winning four games. This team may very well end up winning more, but that team didn't. I don't remember the game blown out much. They had a fluky loss in Kansas City where they missed a, against an undefeated Kansas City team where they tried a field goal in OT and it hit the upright. Like- yep. The season against Baltimore, too, where they went to yep. OT and there was that ridiculous fumble that was yep. like – Sean Nelson, the Sean yeah. Nelson fumble. 
They were competitive in most games that year. So this team is definitely worse than that. So that all boils down to the 01 team. And that 01 team was fairly competitive when you look at their week in, week out stats. So I'm I will, and I didn't really have this conclusion until we had this in-depth discussion. I think this is the worst Bills team of the last 30 seasons, of which I can uh can speak to, and I will say almost with certitude it's the worst Bills team offensively of of our fandom. Scott, do you have any thoughts on how bad this team is, including I, if you want to put it in historical context or not? I have I have I have limited I also looked at that 2001 team to get a sense and and yeah that was that was a bad team, but this team is definitely worse. I mean I think getting back to one of the points that Frank brought up in the in his analysis of the game that was interesting was was in talking kind of links is that when you have a team this bad that has so little um, talent, especially on offense, I mean, just in general, but obviously the offense is where that's the, the worst kind of right. uh, talent deficit right now. It's hard to actually put together that much talent on the field in one season to add that much more talent in one season, because you just have so many holes to fill and you're not going to fill them all with surefire stars like right. you can't like even if they go out and spend 90 million dollars worth of salary cap money last year and they go you know they've obviously still got their draft picks the odds that all of those free agents and rookies are all going to hit and that they're all going to use them on offense which obviously i think you know right which we have very big concerns about giving mcdermott's kind of endless quest for an eight-man um you know pro bowl defensive line and um you know whoever we can get at O-line can we can worry about that later um the i think it's very it's going to be very difficult for this team to get out of the basement quickly i mean obviously next year we need to see progress it's just it's getting concerning about how much progress we can even expect expect because at most we're i mean i don't want to get too far ahead of us Charles, but unless allen turns into the second coming of you know Peyton manning or something it's going to be tough for this team to get beyond 500 next year. And I, that would be great, but we look pretty far away from that right now. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty telling that, you know, last year was a rebuilding year that got lucky because I think that, you know, the dearth of talent has really built up here and you're absolutely right. I mean, it's almost like a, a worst case scenario that like they could, you know, think about the, think about like they, they end up, you know, with like the fifth or sixth pick in the draft and they take a running back, you know, and you're like, holy God, like, have you learned nothing? Right. <laughs> like, you know, and it's not that you wouldn't need a running back, but it's like, you need so much more than a running back. Yeah. Uh, they need everything. And so, um, I mean the cup, they, they really missed on, uh, offensive talent identification. And I want to give being more of a pass than the McDermott. Hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. My sneeze button didn't work. Um, the, uh, sounded fine to me. Oh, good. Uh-huh. Very good. Um, I wanted to give Bean a pass because he wasn't really in charge of the draft going in the year before, but he's also in charge of having traded away the talent and getting rid of, um, you know, certainly you can't count on Eric Wood and Richie Incognito, which I think maybe those two guys are the difference in one or two wins this year, honestly. And I don't like to say yeah. that about linemen, but like really if it, you know, oh, yeah. uh, there's a chance that the ball control is, is better in, in a couple of these closer games, uh, like the two close games they've had. Um, but 
you know, like the, he brings in Chris Ivory and Pat DeMarco. He brings in Jordan Matthews, who doesn't work, and Kelvin Benjamin, who doesn't work. You know, he drafts Zay Jones, right? No, no, he doesn't draft Zay Jones. Well, Zay again, he doesn't, but at the same time, McDermott was there, and yep. Doug Milley, for all of his faults, was not a terrible college talent evaluator. He was no, actually, he wasn't. Yeah, he you're right. A decent board, and so it's McDermott looking at that board and being like, that's the guy I want. That's right. where that played out. So right, it, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm just sort of trying to talk through the fact that like the misses that he's had, um, are not the same. It's not like he's misidentifying talent, right? He's or misidentifying young talent. He's going after these guys that like, you know, one and two year deals that don't make sense because they're just not. You would you would have hoped that Jordan Matthews or Kelvin Benjamin would have been able to do something. And I think when you sign those guys, you're like, okay, this is a reasonable low, pretty low risk to see if one of these guys works and they don't. Yeah. Then and I think not to interrupt, but you're no, right. Please. I hadn't really thought about it because if you take everyone that Bean has taken a flyer on, on offense, has, has anyone worked like, no, like all the guys you mentioned and then Dukas, remember he's, he's now finally on the bench. <laughs> yeah. Benjamin and Matthews, you mentioned the receiver position. Curly was cut. You know, he was signed to, I think, a two-year deal to, at the time. Like, literally everyone they've identified to, on offense just kind of help. None of them, none of them have worked. Right. No, it, he's, it's, it's been a historic, like, it's, it's that bad that, like, he's missed that often. And defensively, the, 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 the talent's been there. Like, I think the good news about that is very little of the defensive moves that he's made have been bad. You know, like pretty much everyone who's shown up is good. Vontae Davis is a miss. Um, you know, Hayden Poyer certainly worked. Hayden uh, Poyer worked. You can say Tremaine Edmonds has been very good when he's on the field. Humber has been like you weren't expecting a lot out of him, and you haven't right. gotten a lot out of him. I mean, he's Matt done. He's not done nothing. Milano obviously a hit. Right. So like, it's 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 probably a little above average, and certainly not worse than average to, to on the defensive side of the ball, but to have missed so poorly on one side. I mean, it's, it's just maddening that, that they can't get anything there, especially when it's just beyond doubt that like, that's the more important side of the game. And it has been for a little while and you, they can't even run properly. Like the whole, we'll just, you know, you know, freaking if i gotta hear blue collar football one more time they can't even do that right so you know what are we gonna do yeah uh, and, and you know and the thing is too on on defense you know we're kind of all happy with that but how happy how long will we be happy with that because one they're missing a number two cornerback which we'll talk about more and that's a very important position on defense and as positive i am about the defense you have a very good chance of losing the heart or hearts of your defense in the offseason with Kyle Williams and Lorenzo Alexander. Like they're both on one year deals and could be done. So your defense could be missing some very key players going to next season too, which takes away from what you are going to try and build offensively. Fart noise. Um, all right. Let's go uh, to some of the, I guess, roster moves. I mean, Philip Gaines has gone. They promoted uh, the guy from the practice squad, which is so awesome. Um, I yeah, mean, I, he, I, mean, I, I was going to make fun of you for not knowing his name. Then I was, oh, I don't know his name either. Right. 
I, I think it's Levi it. something, right? I thought it began with an L. He got promoted, but I think Levi Ryan, Wallace sounds familiar. Maybe think, that's what it is. I think Ryan Lewis is just moving is going to be the one who's actually going to be playing second cornerback. Right. And then if he fails, then they'll bring in Macklemore. <laughs> right. That's, yeah. Oh, that joke was hilarious in 2014. You're killing it. Yeah. 2004 is so happy with you right now. Um I don't know. I mean, I feel like we've talked enough about personnel. I just felt like I, it was important. No, I, I have some thoughts on it. Oh, that. good. Please. Yes. Then. So, uh, yeah. And this gets it's back to hashtag content. <laughs> <laughs> this gets back to Frank's point earlier about accountability, because again, Frank, I, I wanted to, I wanted to break in as Frank was going through the list of people who must be looking at Peterman go out there. Oh, right. Three interceptions. And then <laughs> Philip Gaines, who admittedly has not played great this season. Certainly not, you know, obviously was not really intended to be a, a starting cornerback on this team, but obviously has been put into bad situations, maybe a little in over his head. Sure. But goodness knows we don't have anyone better to put out there. And secondly, right. you know, yeah, pass interference call or two is, is not great. And obviously those were, those were bad, but it's not like it's <laughs> losing us the game. Right. Whereas very clearly Nathan Peterman has lost us multiple games, multiple games, every game that he's been in as he's basically lost for us one way or another. Well, um, you've reminded me because there was in fact one really important person who took exception to the fact that Nathan Peterman still has a job. And that was former Bills quarterback, EJ Manuel, uh, pulling the classic sports thing, which is now, um, you know, deleting an Instagram post that you, you know, when you, take someone to task uh at least he didn't say he was hacked um but he basically said like you know there's no way i would have survived if i had done like this he goes i've never done anything like that and i still don't have a job and this basically was like this fool still has a job yeah. um and you know far be it for me to say that but like ej manuel definitely an upgrade over nathan peterman so right. you know He's available, folks. Uh, yeah, so, no, and 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 that's the thing that really gets me about this McDermott kind of process thing. Again, and you know, I conspiracy theory or not, he clearly has something for Peterman. It's it's very clear. I don't think anyone can doubt that. Whether it's religious or character or grit or the type of team he wants to build, whatever it is, it's 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 clearly there. And again, that gains can have. Essentially, I, again, we don't know what happened. We don't know if McDermott went in and reamed him out and Gaines like gotten his face back and then McDermott said, you're out on your ass or something like some some other thing other than just what happened on the field on Sunday. Right. But the the I but to the rest of the team, I, I have no idea who can go in and say, like, you know, we have accountability on this team and that's why Philip Gaines is gone. You know, we don't, you know, poor performances, you know, and taking penalties and putting the team in a bad situation. That's not acceptable. Like you can't sell that message at all. And all you did otherwise is I don't, I mean, if you want to say that um, Ryan Lewis is better than Philip Gaines. Okay. That's fine. Philip Gaines is probably better than whoever we're going to promote from the practice squad or sign as a free agent at this point. So let's just keep him. Let's just put him down at fourth cornerback. We can still pay him and God forbid someone else gets hurt. Maybe we can just slide him back in and at least he'll know the playbook. Now at this point, who knows what happens if Ryan Lewis goes out there and gets hurt this weekend or retires in the middle of the game? Who knows? Um, <laughs> we won't Wouldn't know. be the first time this season. Oh we, won't, we won't have to go looking very far to find somebody. 
Well, I think the press is with you because I think for the first time after the game this week, I I finally heard some really pointed questions and they really pushed McDermott on a few things, including asking the point blank question, is Nathan Peterman an NFL caliber quarterback? To which he said yes, but like they were at least finally putting it in that in those terms. Oh yeah, they asked him. They asked him, "Did you? Did you? Do you? Is do you have enough talent to win on this team?" Right. And he they finally asked that question that I've been asking for weeks. Like if you're if you if you're preparing hard enough, <laughs> then I mean, I, I, I'd say you side Jared Lorenzen. I mean, you get some quarterback depth and offensive line depth. You know, that's that's the way to do it. Remember Jared Lorenzen, the quarterback who weighed like five. Yeah, absolutely. Nick Mullins would be available it's like to to bring yeah. back to bring back another Ghostbuster reverence. Yeah, all we need is you know it needs brakes, shocks, struts, uh, engine, uh, muffler, uh, tires, hubcaps, axle, transmission, and uh, drivetrain. Other than that, it's a keeper. <laughs> uh, uh, do you want to talk about the fact that Lashawn McCoy is not talking to the media anymore, or do we not want to talk about that? I think it's interesting. The most interesting aspect to me is McDermott was asked straight out by a reporter something along the lines of, you know, was McCoy upset about not being traded or did express that he was upset about not being traded rather than just kind of brush it on and say, no, no, we're, you know, happy to be here. He's frustrated with his performance. He said something along the lines of, you know, we keep all all conversations between, you know, on on the team. So it makes me wonder if, uh, you know, if if he's just really – not just frustrated with his own performance, but the, but his life in general right now. Exactly. It's it's um. Well, think, he's also got a lot going on. I think it's fair to talk about Lashawn McCoy's performance this year, and yeah, like, just in general. Like, I mean, I would say that I don't know that he's lost a step. I do know that this team does not play to his strengths anymore. No, and it also has given would give no veteran a reason to go out there and try hard and risk his body. Um, so I don't want to say it's definitely lack of effort, but it's certainly, I would certainly buy that. It wouldn't be, I would, I would believe if you told me that he wasn't trying as hard because I'm not sure I would be trying as hard either. And obviously, and yeah, Frank makes a very good point. He obviously has some other things going on too. So he looks good when he does get in open space, but they just can't seem to get him in open space very often. Is that your point? He's done well as a receiver when he tends to be in open space. Right, and that's it's that's both a, a detriment to the passing game, the fact that he's you know catching as many balls as he is, but also the only way they're getting him the football. So it's a bit of a catch twenty two. But the definitely he's uh he's looking more like C.J. Spiller every week with his like you know side to side trying to break it. He's a guy who definitely I you know I I I wouldn't think he's not trying. I mean I I take your point. Scott, but he de- he seems like a guy who has had personal goals that he wants to attain, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to have been traded because he would have thought I can make those goals happen elsewhere. And yeah. since the trade deadline, he just hasn't felt like talking to anybody. Um, you know, I suppose if you don't have anything nice to say, uh, <laughs> why would he? Then best not to say anything at all. Uh, we did not do our third quarter of the season. Um preview like we were supposed to last time we also never said this season was over and that it's maybe next year should we do that i think we got to get to nine losses yeah because let's not underrate how terribly mediocre the afc is (laughs) that was another like i was looking at the standings and realistically they're not out of it you're depending on like the Bengals or the chargers 
kind of hanging. Like everyone's pretty crappy. As long as a completely different team suits up for the Bills for the rest of the season, they're not out. As long as the they've won a couple games, so I still I still stand by my five and eleven prediction at this point. I think they can get there. Well, they got the Jets twice and Miami twice, and a terrible Jaguars team and an inconsistent Lions team. So, and of course, the Patriots is a loss, but still. Right. So they've only got to get three out of that. Right. To get to five. To get to five, that's I just want them to, to get to that goal that I set by randomly arbitrarily yes. set for them. Yes. Um, okay. Well, let's just. Okay, then fine. At Jets hosting <laughs> Jaguars at Miami. I mean, I'm going to say one and two. I think that they'll probably end up beating one of those teams, either the Jets or Miami. I think I think the Jags will take some frustration out on them. I think that it'll be like. Uh, not indie. It'll be like uh, Houston or something, where they can't really score, so it doesn't matter that they can sort of stop the other team. Yeah, I'm gonna. I was gonna say two and one. I'm gonna be the optimist in the group. I'm guessing unless Scott goes three and zero, oh, which I don't foresee. These are is as bad as an offense as this is. Remember, this team almost beat Houston. You know, there's a they hung close against the Patriots, and those are better teams than any of the teams that are are coming up and I think they could very well luck into two wins. And of course if they go 0 and 3, I'm not gonna be remotely surprised. Yeah, it's tough not knowing completely what's going on with some of the other teams. Um seems like it would be tough to beat the Dolphins, which seems like a weird thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess the Brock Osweiler show has turned that team around or not sort of. I mean or Tannehill might be back by then, so maybe we'll have a chance. I don't know. But anyway, so, yeah, it seems like you get one out of two maybe against the – I think you get I think you get maybe one win here. I'm not – I wouldn't – again, yeah, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they got none. Yeah, I think the Jets game is their best bet because the Jets are, are truly bad as well, but they're just not as bad as Buffalo, and they're going to – you know, their backup quarterback – it isn't concussed, I guess is the only way to really put it. So, and not Nathan Peterman. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would think that they would have a better chance, but I mean, Peterman is a, he's the third stringer at this point. So that at least we've gotten that far. It's just that both the two guys ahead of him are in fact injured. So I think you'd have to think Matt Barkley would be the first one to go if everybody was healthy, but also, I don't know. Like, I don't, I think we could do with two quarterbacks. I don't know. I think I'd rather try the two quarterbacks and one of them always ends up being Peterman. And that always ends up being a problem. And prior can be prior can be uh whatchamacallit can be yeah, emergency. emergency. Yeah. He can be a Joe Webb guy. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I don't think there was any Facebook questions or comments that we really got. Was there, I didn't, I forgot I, to post. I didn't either. post either. And I didn't post on All Twitter right, because you know, you know what they, what, what were we going to go into? Really. Right. I mean, I think we're all equally frustrated and exhausted and maybe our, maybe next week our question will be like, if they lose to the jets, our next question can be something like, uh, you know, what are you doing instead of watching bills games? <laughs> or I can share my, my recipe for homemade Bailey's Irish cream, which as it turns out is delicious. Um, it is man. And it's getting to be Bailey's Irish cream season soon. It is. And I just learned how to make it, Paul. And it is, oh. it, it is, it, I mean, I have a vegan version, which I would appeal to you. Um, mm. that is, uh, 
it's actually too good. I had to stop making it because because I was just pounding <laughs> chocolate milk all day. Yeah. Yeah, all day because I work from home and I'm like, I could have a little, it'll be fine. And no, it's just like so I have to wait a little bit before I make more. But when I do, I'll share it with you. Um let's then let's go to uh this day in Bill's headlines and then Bill's Jets and then be done because I don't want to belabor this poor bastard season any more than I have to. All right. Well, we're going to start you off with this Dane Bills headlines for November 7th with an easy one. And then they're going to get uh, somewhat easier, somewhat harder at various points. And we're going to see how this goes. But I'm really hoping we can get off to a bang with you guys. One of you gets a 2017 one. So here we go. 2017 blank wasn't really surprised by trade from Panthers. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin. All right, good. Off to a flaming start. All right, now this one, this one we'll see. We'll see. We're going to go way back to two years ago now. 2016, two writers predict a Buffalo Bills blank to win defensive player of the year. 2016? Yep. Uh, Stefan Gilmore? Oh, that was a great guess. I think he would have deserved it more than the guy they're talking about. Uh... I'll give some hints while Scott gets this. He did make the Pro Bowl that year, and then he signed a big free agent contract with Washington, where he still is playing. Uh, he also has a very popular country band. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Uh, Zach Brown. Zach Brown. Oh, the Zach Brown band. Yeah. Of course. Good point. All right. A forgettable man who, who for, a pro bowler that people forgot about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that is the case. All right. 2012. We're going to go back six years. Bills place cornerback blank on IR and promote wide receiver blank. You can name either. I will note that this cornerback would never play again for the bills or ever. And that the wide receiver himself would have an injury prone career after making his roster debut. Um, Roscoe Parrish. Very good guess. He was around that time, but he is not the receiver. Kind of injury prone. Percy Harvin. Nope. Oh, another another good guess. But this is a little before Percy in 2012. So a cornerback, and then a wide receiver. You can name either. Yep. How about one of like the David? How about like David Nelson? Where he was a tight? Was he the tight end? No, he's a wide receiver. Not the guy here. Okay. This is the guy that everyone talked up like, oh, he's going to be great. And then he did fairly well on special teams, but he never, I think he caught three passes in his career. <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah. Um, the cornerback, uh, you should know. He did some historic things with Buffalo. Okay. Played for like 10 years for the team, I think. Uh, this is Antoine Winfield's long gone, as is yeah, as is Clements. Um, uh, One of the only players in NFL history to return an interception and a kickoff for a touchdown in the same game. It's like him and Deion Sanders. Um, Drayton Florence? No, no, no. All right, right. the time I give expired. Up. It's it's Terrence McGee. Oh, make terrible Terrence McGee. Terrible Terrence McGee. The receiver was Marcus Easley. That was a little tougher. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 2009, uh, Buffalo Bills blank pilfers passes at a rapid rate. 
What year is this? 2009. Gyrus Bird? Yes, Gyrus Bird. I don't even have to go through my my litany of oh. hits. I'm I'm sad now. Sorry about that. I bet you I bet you had some great bird puns. No, I was just going to note that it was the last article I wrote for our website was about Jairus Bird. It's been a while. Right. <laughs> two, two, 2007. This is not a trivia question, but I just have no recollection of this and seeing if you guys are. Buffalo Bills Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly says he has a buyer lined up to purchase a team from owner Ralph Wilson. Do you remember this in 2007? I literally have no recollection. I vaguely remember this because I remember Jim Kelly was part of an ownership group. I just can't remember who else was in there. Yep, apparently no one does. All right, 2005. Bills consider switching right tackle blank to guard. Hmm. 2008? 2005. 2005. Derek Dockery. I think that was slightly before Dockery. Oh, it was Mike Williams. Mike Williams, yes. They did switch him in there. He played yeah. three games there. He got he cut, did. and then he didn't play again until 2009 with Washington. I don't yeah. remember much about the Bills during my law school years, if I'm fully honest. I... <laughs> it's, it's all right. We've only got really one more question, I think, from the law school years. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 2004, no question, but there's a game and the Bills beat a 6-2 and two Jets team when they were 3-5, and five, so yay, and Lee Evans had a good game. Yeah. All right, 2003, this is more, we're going into some arrests now, so this is going to be, this is going to be fun. Bills draftee blank arrested after accident. Witnesses said he, this Fresno State wide receiver had been driving and his cousin said he was intoxicated and fled on foot because he was afraid of being caught, police said. He was involved in a three-car accident. Three people were transported to area hospitals with injury after he rear-ended one of the vehicles. So after they cut him, he ended up in the Canadian League for a while, uh, but he never actually – I think he was on the Bills practice squad. Even though they cut him, they brought him back. Wide receiver, you said? Wide receiver. Didn't play much. Fresno State, 2000. 2003. So he would have been a 2003 graduate of Fresno State. His son just committed to there, I read when researching this. Oh, man. I don't wish I'd. He has a, British, my... has a British first name, and it's not Nigel. Wembley <laughs> Jefferson Longfellow the Fourth. Yes. Reginald Thornburn McDougal. No, that's Scottish, damn it. Right. It's, uh, it's well, Rodney, Rodney Wright. Rodney, Rodney. No, I didn't even I didn't, know nope. that. Nope. All right. Nope. He's next. He's next to pretty... the question was, did the bills ever have a player named Rodney Wright? And I, there's, <laughs> a, there's a good chance I would have said no. You know, my screening process is if I, if I read the name and I've never heard of it, I don't even bother. I'm like, I'm not going to ask them, especially not, not during not the early early. <laughs> So this guy, this will be tougher as well. This guy has an awesome name though. So I couldn't, Pass this one up. 2002, Bills defensive end blank sacks out on Kiwi W. Now, by this, they mean what this player did when he came in from Canada every day is he stretched out in the homemade bed he constructed in the middle of a limousine, and he slept the entire two-hour ride to the stadium, walking only to pass through customs. Not Tim Horton. His name, his first name rhymes with uh, BD. PD. <laughs> Fast Fred, Fast Freddy, Jonathan Williams. <laughs> uh, his last uh, name rhymes with uh, Mahana too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I'm guessing we've never heard of Chidi Ahanatu. So yeah, Chidi Ahanatu. Yeah, yeah Chidi Ahanatu. Isn't he on? Oh, that's a different Chidi on The Good Place. Never yeah. mind. <laughs> Anagonia. Right. Yeah, exactly. Anagonia. Yeah. <laughs> what country right. am I from again? Sen I just told you. Anyway. Don't worry. Our grand finale question, which is not this one, it's the one after it. We're going to have a lot of Canada on it. So here we go. All right. But the, the penultimate question, Bill's lineman blank faces drunk driving charge. Uh, he was arrested on charges of driving while intoxicated. According to East Aurora police, he was accused of driving to the left of the center line, failing to stop when police tried to pull him over and driving with the suspended license. His blood alcohol limit was 0.14. Um, let's see. If I were to give you a hint about his name, he goes well with Hammer. Armin Zolan, the <laughs> Nazi from Captain America comics. N.C. <laughs> Escher, famous Design. Oh, he did the uh, he did the uh, the optical illusion stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. That's right. yeah. It was. Uh, I was thinking of Jamie Nails, Hammer and Nails. Ah, okay. All right, so here we go. Grand finale question. This is game day 2010. We're going back eight years. We watched this one at uh, Frank's then place in Crystal City, Virginia. Mm. Uh, this is a game where the uh, sorry about the timeliness of this, but the Bears beat the Bills <laughs> 22 to 19. Now, what's interesting is both teams did the same amount of scoring. Each scored three touchdowns in this game. But Bills kicker Ryan Lindell missed an extra point attempt for the first time in his career. He had made 321 to start his career, the fourth longest in NFL history. And it was the only one he would ever miss in his NFL career. It was blocked following a Fred Jackson touchdown, and it was blocked by blank. What Bears player? Now, here are your hints while you think about this. This Bears defensive end, he'd signed an offer sheet with the Bills in 2006 that the Bears chose to match. Uh, what's funny is also this game was in Canada where this player grew up, but he was in fact born in Nigeria, and his first name is another country entirely. End uh, of note, he was inducted into the Order of Manitoba in 2014. Can you name this this Chicago Bear that the Bills had signed to an offer sheet that wow. helped the, bear, the, the Bears beat the Bills in 2010? Um, so I do know this one, but I'm going to let Frank go first. Ah, perfect. Okay. So let's see. Canadian born in another country born in, where did you say? Uh, Nigeria. Right. But his name is a different country. Right. His name is, uh, yeah. The first name, like say his name were United States of America Smith. Right. Which obviously right. that would be ridiculous. Right. But right. No, Cause we all know he played for Buccaneers. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it's pretty clear that his name, that who we're talking about, um, is Norway um, Johnson. <laughs> Norway, Norway, Johnson. Johnson, Norway Johnson from Nigeria. Yep. Called Nigerian, the Nigerian Norway Nightmare. Yes. The Norwegian, Norwegian, Norwegian Nightmare. Yeah. And I forgot to mention this, Frank, which is a comic person to appreciate. He revealed a comic, The Protectors, at its soft launch during the New York City Comic Con in 2012. Oh, boy. Protectors. Quite the, quite the multi-talented individual. Yes. Here. He's also yeah. an actor. Uh, yeah. That's why. Uh, and he also. So Stan Lee. Right. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> he also gave his name 
to the country, America. Amerigo Vespucci. Amerigo Vespucci. <laughs> oh, he lived a long life. He that's how you can that's how you can get so many the accolades and get the order of manitoba and you know live in africa you know be born in africa play for the bears get that offer sheet and bills you have to be around a while so yeah Amerigo vespucci good old Amerigo vespucci yes the I thing was, we were uh, named after his first name were the we're a country of henry's Amerigo, but the last name vespucci wasp little we could have been the wasps mm -hmm. i am of, i'm going to blow this guy's last name and i apologize for it i believe it's israel Adonije, 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 I D O N I J E. Okay. Wow. He played in the league for uh, 10 seasons. All it's that you okay. couldn't even look up the pronunciation. Okay. Yeah, I should have. <laughs> 10 seasons. He The the blocked kick against the Bills. He three, three consecutive games, he blocked a kick. And the Bills loved him in 06 when Jerron was coach. Signed him to an offer sheet, uh, which he signed, of course, to. And the Bears chose to match it in later on. Came to uh, cost the Bills a game on November 7th of 2010. And that was this day in Bills headlines. Well, there you go. Yeah. Adana J, maybe. Adana, yeah, that sounds good. Well. I think now we've limped to the finish line. Now you can sense the exhaustion in all of us here. It's like we've yeah. made it this far, and now we have to talk about another stupid football game. We don't have to. Yeah, I mean, we, well, we've got to make a prediction of some sort. Bills Jets in the nether in the Netherlands. Wow, <laughs> in the Meadowlands. Um, did I ever tell you guys the story about when I was in the hotel in 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 New Jersey at, in high school? And I have a feeling this is there's nothing uh, nothing bad ever happens in a hotel in New Jersey in high school. No, we went on the music. I maybe your high schools did the same thing where there was a band trip or a choir trip and you'd go somewhere and compete and it would be like, in our case, one trip was to New York. This trip was to New York city, but we stayed in New Jersey and my friend and I shared a room and we were late getting out of our room. And, uh, at breakfast that morning, our friend had told us, well, we have a story to tell you, but I can't tell you right now. And he was being weird about it. And we're in the checkout line. We're like the last people, like the bus is waiting for us. Right. And we, there's this guy in front of us, this really big guy with like, cargo pants and like this girlfriend who's like a little tatted up and kind of dressed kind of tardy for 1996 if i could be and we were kind of like giggling to ourselves like check this couple out and uh they are ahead of us they check out they go out the door we check out we start walking to the bus they turn left to the parking lot we go continue straight and six cars come out of nowhere all sorts of undercover police officers jump out they chase this guy. I am now on the ground, basically army crawling to the bus because I don't know what's happening. And they arrest this guy. They pull huge AK-47s out of his trunk. Um, he was a, a bank robber that had escaped prison in Georgia and had been on uh, America's Most Wanted that week. And we were right behind him. And he was in the room next to my friend who wanted to tell the story and it was in the days where there was those and they still have them in some hotels with those shared doors between the rooms and he had thought that that room next door was the bus driver's room <laughs> and they had they apparently literally were about to play a prank using that door um to scare the bus driver uh but it was in fact this guy and 
police officers had come in basically before they did that and told them you you're going to spend the night in this room with your parents and you can't tell anyone uh what's happening because we can't move on in with all you kids in the hotel um and so they basically almost died i had a front row seat pissing my pants um and that was in east rutherford new jersey that's where the hotel was and so whenever i don't want to think about a bills jets game i think about that story which is one of my like yes. one of the craziest, coolest things I've ever seen in that my is, life. That is amazing. And I really wish your high school had put you up in a better place. I hope they treated you. <laughs> it was a very nice and... hotel. Like this guy just had a room there. Yeah. Was, no, like, he robbed that bank so he could stay at a nice hotel. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was, you know, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a decent trip and, and it ended that way. And it was like, that was the bus ride home was like everybody telling that story and, and, and getting the full details on it. And, um, so that's a that's a real thing that happened to me and uh and i love that story um and i'm glad everybody i'm glad i'm okay because it was li like literally like this guy was right there and so you know thankfully didn't freak out it was the first time i the, the name, first time i because i'd like i'd like to google this man remember my wife's no, Florida, so i got nothing but time i cannot remember this person's that's name but it would have been 1995 or 1996 because that's uh -huh. when i graduated high school um so we could look up you know probably america's most wanted has a database or something um and that's why with all of that can in in consideration i think the bills are going to win this week probably 15 to 15 to 5 i think it'll be another like never heard of score so why do you think they'll win I was actually, even though I picked them to go two and one, I think this is going to be the loss. I'm gonna gonna say. I think they're gonna get. I think they're gonna get uh, McCown again. I think that's going to be the problem. But yeah, I've got to pick a scoregami here. So let's see what scores are available that have not happened yet. Eighteen to five. Eighteen, 18 to five. To that's a definite. That's definitely in the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously things have changed a little bit since last year for both of these teams. <laughs> um, a bit of an understatement. I will say that the Bills are going to um, win another game, not this game. I think the Jets are going to be probably motivated as much as the bills are given. They have to know just as well that, um, you know, they are not going to have a lot of chances to win more this season. Um, the jets defense is probably good enough to keep the bills in check. And I think that they can grind out a win and I will call it. Um, I will say 12 to six. Seven Jets. That is my score prediction. Okay. Um, no one's picked one yet. I think I, I'm excited to see a six-one score. That is uh, that is in the realm of possibility per the new rule changes. Man, I you've got me on the scoregami site again, Frank. So there goes my night. <laughs> Very good. Well, if you'd like to lose a night, um, feel free to scour our facebook page at facebook.com backslash b bills mny or get into a twitter discussion with paul at, at b bills mny 
Um, you can also email us, bbillsmny at gmail.com. Search Buffalo Bills maybe next year in your podcast app or iTunes or on the Google. You can search Buffalo Bills podcast. Um, we've been around for a while. We come up in the searches. We're happy to do this um, nonsense, uh, even in a crapola season like this. Uh, until next time, thank you very much for listening. Actually, so next week it's Jets and then it's the bye week, right? Yep. Yeah. So we'll do next week, and I think we'll probably use Thanksgiving as our bye week. But we yeah, do discuss that without all of our listeners on. But. Yes, that's true. But there's so th there's a good chance we'll be back next week and then take Thanksgiving week off. Um, but if we decide to switch that for some reason, I'll drop a note to everybody. So until the next time we speak to you, thank you so much for listening. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.